Before you listen to this great new episode of Albums Are Dead, a few quick plugs. Go subscribe to us on iTunes, search for Albums Are Dead there, and we will pop up for you. Or head over to Mixcloud and do a search for Albums Are Dead. Our back catalog is there for you to listen to anytime on demand. Eventually, we're going to be on Spotify and Google. Do a search for us anyways, because we're going to pop up at one of those places eventually. We do have a website. It's albumsaredead.com. We are on all of the social medias. On Twitter, we are at albumsaredead. We are on Facebook. Give our page a like. It's Albums Are Dead. What do you know? We're also on Instagram. Again, Albums Are Dead, and you will find us. And support the artists. Go listen to their music. Go download it legally or stream it legally, please. The artists and their record labels, they're all big and super rich, but they still need your support, and we should do it the right way. We, of course, make no money from doing this show. It's all about the love of music. Let's go love some music together. Here's the next episode of Albums Are Dead. He got a lot of credibility already in America. Wham had been bigger than anyone had thought for a, a teen band. He was like on the, you know, on the rise like the Madonnas and the Princes. You know, he was at that moment of his career where all things were pointing towards kind of, you know, a huge record, a huge album, and mega stardom. Yeah, it was a great time because as well as kind of hitting the nail on the head with the album, with Faith, there was just a feeling that Andy and I were making really effective pop videos in a, in, in a time when videos were still shamelessly naive considering film was an accomplished medium. I think it's still one of my favourites, actually. Won't you give me a break? Somebody give me a break now! Albums are dead. Yes, indeed. And uh, that's a little remix. <laughs> fantastic. Uh, that's fantastic. Yeah, so it's episode eight, everybody. And uh, we're going to talk about George Michael this week on Albums Are Dead. And, and specifically, Faith, uh, I am one of your pals. My name is Alan. And on Twitter, you can find me at Slip with five eyes or Slip. Slip, dirty slip. I am at megamix.com, all one word on Twitter. And uh, yeah, this is going to be a, a good episode. I think so. I think we should get right into it because there's uh, this is content heavy. Lots of material on Mr. George Michael. Yes, indeed. I'm very excited to see what you've what you've dug up for us. Uh, all right then. Well, well, here really. I'm not. I'm not seeing a goddamn thing. <laughs> yes, you're just going to listen. You are my audience for this show. Uh, Go back, uh, last couple of weeks, what did we do? We Last week on episode uh, 7, we did some Dreamboat Annie by Heart. The week before that, yes. uh, Janet Jackson's Rhythm Nation 1814. Feedback, mm -hmm. pouring in on both episodes, of course. <laughs> Obviously. All the time. I think we vaulted for a little bit on Podomatic's rankings to over to, to, to just, un just under the 3,000 mark of their podcast. So, uh, <laughs> rankings? That, of course, yeah, in their rankings. So, uh, you know... Uh, like a bullet. Albums are dead. Well, good for us. Yes. <laughs> uh, I, I believe there's there's some ranking on there that tells you, like, it. I think it's supposed to be subscriptions. And that's, it's hovering around 100, but it's like, that can't be. Like, there's no way. 
I, I don't understand. <laughs> like, I don't get it. I account for three of them. I know that. But <laughs> I've got it on, on one device twice and on another device once. So, you know. But I, I don't know what's happening. But anyways, folks. Whatever. Anyways, uh, if you are listening, thank you so much. Tell your friends. If I mean, unless you think this sucks and you're embarrassed, then I get it. But uh, tell your friends. <laughs> yes. Uh, all right. Let's when talk. You're your, when you're having your kind of weekly, hey, what podcast are you listening to discussion? Uh, yeah. You know, you're at a party. Hey, I listen to this podcast. I listen to these guys. Uh, they basically look at Wikipedia and talk about it when they record. Uh, <laughs> and they, you know, and that's what exactly what I'm going to do today. I've got a whole yes. bunch of websites and sources up, and I'm going to read from them. I got a couple of clips, and we're going to talk about uh, George Michael. And again, specifically, the Faith album released in 1987. <laughs> But uh, we are going to talk a little bit of backstory as well. So I will get right into right. it. Right on. All right. So George Michael, born. Let me see if I can do this correctly. Georgius Kyriakos Paneutu. So Greek, mm-hmm. clearly. Yes, he is Greek. Uh, was what, Greek. Well, was Greek. Was an English singer, songwriter, record producer, and philanthropist who rose to fame as a member of the music duo Wham!, Exclamation point. Yes. <laughs> uh, and then obviously went solo after that, and his solo debut was Faith, which we will focus on today. George Michael, of course, uh, died recently on Christmas Day 2016 at the age of 53. At the time of his death, he had sold over 115 million records worldwide. And that, that would be about 80 million records as a solo artist and another 30 million records when he was with Wham. Faith, the album we were talking about today, sold more than 25 million copies. Jesus. Uh, and he achieved numerous number one singles, both in the UK as well as in the USA and I'm sure in other places around the world. Japan must be one of them. And we'll talk about his tour and how uh, things went on that tour. <laughs> Because, uh, yeah, madness. Uh, so the first place that I want to start off with is Wham. Um, before I get into Wham, though, I, I, I will say this. Uh, I like George Michael. Uh, I'm actually a bigger Wham fan than I am a George Michael fan. So I have a little I bit guess. on Wham. But over to you, kind of what is your fandom, your George Michael fandom, if you would describe it? Oh, uh, I wasn't much of a fan of George Michael. I mean, this album came out. Uh, you know, right around that, those formative years for me, you know, uh, I was, I believe, uh, 10. Um, so I heard a lot of it at the roller rink, a lot of faith at the roller rink. Yep. I didn't know much about Wham, so I don't have a big, my wife is a huge, was a huge Wham fan. So she's, uh, so she's, she's, she's the one to talk to about Wham. Uh, I, on the other hand, um, you know, I, I know kind of the sur- I, on the, I, I'm kind of a, a surface fan, you know. I, I, I everything on the surface, all the, the hits, I know them. Uh, I understand the uh, the popularity. I quite enjoy though. Uh, one of my favorite tracks by George Michael would have been uh, "Too Funky" from 1992. <laughs> so, so you know, um, well, I I'm well versed. I, I know Faith. I've listened to the album. I under, understand. Uh, and, and, and get it. And it's, it's a, it's a tremendous album. Uh, my, uh, my fandom doesn't quite, you know, go as deep as, as others might. So, Hey, you're listening to the right podcast, obviously. 
And uh, we should say, as always, if you are a massive George Michael fan, you should have probably come on this podcast because yeah, <laughs> we're not going to teach you anything tell us new. About it. Uh, like, I, help us out. Uh, yeah. Otherwise, just you might want to just hit pause, swipe, and delete because <laughs> uh, we're not going to give you what you need. You can come back, go to our back catalog, or you know, just like uh, wait till next week and maybe you'll get something new. But uh, yeah, uh, what what what? Tell us about about uh, your love of Wham and uh, and where that takes you in the in the world of George Michael. I just, for 80s music, I like Wham because it's a little more poppy. And there's not a lot to digest. Like, Wham had two albums and then kind of this... Like, I guess technically they had three. One was kind of this compilation of stuff. That's right. But they only had a couple of albums, so there's not a lot to digest there. Uh, George Michael, you know, he he wants to be a grown-up when he goes solo. And uh, <laughs> so, I mean, the music, the music is <laughs> good. Sure I'm familiar with Faith. I like, uh, I mean, Freedom 90 is is uh, a top track for me. Love that track. Yeah, it's a great track, yeah. Uh, a few other things in the 90s, but but not really a, a massive George Michael fan after that. I would have seen Wham! if they had done in a reunion. They talked about, could they have done a reunion up until, you know, when he died? It probably would have been more of a one-off than a, than a tour. Uh, I can't imagine I, Wham! rap in 2000. I just... I, I can't see George Michael being into it either. Like, no, I, I just even uh, yeah, I don't know. Even Andrew Ridgely, I don't know if he'd be into it. But George Michael, I just I just can't see him doing it. Like, why would you do it? No, there'd be no point to it. All right. So Wham is essentially a boy band. It's a duo with George Michael and Andrew Ridgely. Uh, they were formed in 1981. Uh, they released a couple of albums. The first album was called Fantastic. Um, I like the album, but. It, like, in reality, Fantastic is kind of the wrong title for the album, because it kind of isn't. Well, uh, it had the Fantastic Red cover. Yes, uh, it did reach They're number one. Faces. It did reach number one in the UK, and it had singles such as Young Guns, uh, Wham! Rap, which you mentioned, and yep. uh, Club Tropicana. Basically, the album... The appeal of the album is that in 1983 in the UK, and, and our pal Disco Stu 81 talked a little bit about this uh, a few weeks ago, is that it was kind of in the Thatcher era, and yep. industry is closing, and things are not going so well. Like The, the mood mm-hmm. in the UK isn't that great in the 80s. No. And these guys come along, and you know their songs are about being happy and being young and real mm-hmm. kind of simple stuff, and there's some appeal there to that music. Yeah, and you know, if you think about it, I mean, um, in terms of pop artists from the UK in that time period, I mean, there's not many, especially ones that get kind of the world, you know, break it big all around the world, right? Yeah. Uh, so so the, then yeah. the follow-up album to that, which breaks it out in the US, and I'll, let's play some music. <laughs> <laughs> Why not? Uh, yes. So Make It Big is their second album that is released, and it reaches number one in the UK, but as well in the United States. And the lead single, Wake Me Up Before You Go Go, which you are listening to here, uh, kind of launches okay. them and, and makes him a worldwide band. Yeah. Uh, so the other thing that happens on this album, like on both albums, but especially on Make It Big, uh, yeah. this is really George Michael. He wrote, it's kind of a solo project. He writes all the tracks mm-hmm. on on the album. But interestingly enough, one track from uh, from Make It Big is is not 
often credited to Wham. It's credited to George Michael with Andrew Wrigley. Uh, yeah, uh, it's weird. It, it's a little Freedom weird. Uh, no, it's this one no, right here. Sorry. Sorry. Here we go. It's a careless whisper. That's right. So Sorry, when you I got it all wrong. so when you pick up a single of this of this uh, song, it doesn't say <laughs> by Wham, even though it is the closing track on "Make It Big." And the other thing that's funny again is that George Michael actually like wrote it on his own along with all the other songs, but he somehow yep. has his pal along for the ride on this. And yes. uh, in interviews, Andrew Ridgely says like that that careless whisper money just keeps rolling in. Yeah, like he just basically sits back and 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 gets rich off of this song. Off that fucking saxophone. Yeah. So. Nice. I'll I'll scrub to the part everyone knows. <laughs> so, anyways, that's a George, but it's it is a George Michael song along with everything else. Yeah. So they make those uh, few uh, songs, and then George Michael is clearly the number one person in this group. So. <laughs> Uh, he is asked to join the group that does Band-Aids, Do They Know It's Christmas? Mm -hmm. uh, he also writes a song called Last Christmas, which becomes a Wham! song. Yes. Uh, and a Christmas staple. Yes. Uh, in 1985, at Live Aid, Elton John performs Don't Let the Sun Go Down on Me, and George Michael performs with him. Mm -hmm. And again, it, it, it's just very clear that George Michael is becoming a, a you know, a, 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 the the solo star, right? Yes. Uh, Wham is one of the first groups to tour in China. They do so in April of 1985, and this gets worldwide media coverage. And again, it's centered around George Michael. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, we get into uh, 1986, and. They decide basically they uh, you know they they've done their touring and they there's a mutual agreement that George Michael is going to go solo. <laughs> mutual. Well, it is pretty mutual. It's mutual, but you know, it's kind of like you see the writing on the wall. Yeah, like you've seen it. Exactly. Yeah. Uh so they put out an album in the UK. Um I can't find it anywhere here. Uh, I'm on the Wick guy here. But anyways, What's more important for us is that in the yeah. United States, they put out this kind of weird compilation album, uh, yeah. and it's called Music from the Edge of Heaven. <laughs> uh, it's got a couple of new songs. It's got The Edge of Heaven. It's got I'm Your Man, which I may as well play because... It's yeah, play time. I'm Your Man, yes. Yeah. Uh, it's got a remix of Wham Rap called Wham Rap 86. Nice. <laughs> Uh, this is, uh, it's got Last Christmas, which was recorded prior to this album coming out. It's got a yep. live track called Blue. Mm hmm Uh, here we go. Here's I'm Your Man. And then it's got this track on it. Uh, so this is called The Different Corner, and it is another uh, George Michael song. Okay. It's actually released on its own as a, as a kind of a standalone single, but then they stick it on this, uh, this album as well. Yeah. So there you go. Uh, the album, by the way, that, that was released in the UK was called The Final. The Final. And The Ooh. Final, it's basically a greatest hits album with a couple of new tracks. All right. So there you go. 
So Wham disbands. Well, Wham is going to disband. They have a farewell concert. It takes place uh, on June 28th, 1986, which Wikipedia makes sure to tell us 32 years ago. (laughs) Thanks. Uh, The concert takes place... Someone has to go in and edit that every year? I I guess so. (laughs) Terrible. Uh, The show takes place at Wembley Stadium. The audience, uh, the attendance is 72,000 people. Uh, there is, uh, there are two opening acts, Gary Glitter and Nick Hayward. (laughs) Nice. So a lot of kids in that crowd seeing Gary Glitter. Oh my God. Uh, the show in total is six hours long. No. Uh, yes. And, uh, there are 21 tracks by Wham that are performed. And, uh, here's a quick, uh, here's Andrew Ridgely talking about the show. All right. Tell us a little bit about the concert. A bit emotional for you as well? Uh, yes, it was. Not so much uh, in retrospect, yes, but when you're on stage um, and in front of 72,000 people, it's far more euphoric than it is uh, sad or anything like that. It's just wonderful to be in front of um, really our, our home crowd, because it's one and a half years since we played in England. The, uh, the last uh, tour was in America. and. Uh, they were so enthusiastic, so partisan. It was, uh, they were a wonderful crowd. They were brilliant. And the concert went on a while, didn't it? It was, it was nearly three hours long. We got fined. <laughs> <laughs> fined for going on yeah, too long. Yeah, fined for going on too long. But uh, it was worth it. Um, there were fireworks and lasers at the end, which I didn't see, but we filmed it. And hopefully uh, it'll be, the film will be released sometime in the future. So then I'll, I'll get to see it. So they uh, end up putting out a video of it. By the way, he is... They are doing ski shooting in the background uh, when he does this interview. Yeah, at first I thought it was in the like the factory that he now works in. <laughs> oh, 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 oh. Uh, a little bit on Andrew Ridge, uh, Ridgely, uh, Ridgely, Ridgely, whatever. Uh, he ends up um, after leaving Wham. He tries to get into like race car driving. Nice. Uh, let's see if I've got it here from the Wickeye. Because there was some stuff. No, it talks about more of his... Uh, uh, oh, here we go. Uh, moved to Monaco and tried his hand at Formula 3 motor racing. Meeting with little success, he moved to Los Angeles in pursuit of a career in acting, uh, but then returned to Britain permanently in 1990. He did release one album. Uh, it is called Son of Albert. Uh, Entertainment Weekly gave it a C+. Uh, and that, it didn't... That, that title alone makes me want to buy it. Uh, yes, of course. Uh, and uh, that's kind of it for him. There's a couple of times where there's talk about him doing some work with George Michael again. Just, you know, little, like at Live 8, they talked about reuniting, etc. But uh, it never happened. Yeah, it's very clear that who the star was. And uh, I think, you know, you can tell he kind of knows it too. Yeah, okay, here's what George Michael had to say about being ready to go solo. All right. I knew how to make these records and how to make them jump out of the radio. And the idea that just because I was wearing ridiculous shorts and uh, curtain rings in my ears would actually stop people from noticing that. When I look back, it's kind of, I still think it's kind of stunning. By the end of it, I had no doubt that I could become an international solo success. And it's as though there's always been a red, this red line. I see it like a red line, which goes through everything. 
like a, a staircase to whatever you're about to do next. And I could feel that at the final concert. I already had one foot in my solo career. Okay. They show clips of him like walking around the stage like the, the fucking man at the show, right? Uh, yeah, you know, I, I got to respect the the uh, just making the fucking decision because, um, you know, you, you go back and you talk about, you know, some some artists who will just hang on out of some kind of sense of 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 duty to the to the people that you're with. But you know what? In the end, you just got to break it off and move on because uh, it, it was it was his life. It was his career. It was time to go. Uh, so right before uh, before the um, faith comes out, he does a different corner. But he releases a second single, which is fantastic, and I have to play it. Okay. Um, so I knew you were waiting for me. Yes. Uh, is a Grammy Award-winning number one song recorded by American singer Aretha Franklin, R.I.P. in peace. That's and right. English singer George Michael, R.I.P. in peace, as a duet in 1987. Nice. Uh, the song was a one-off project that helped Michael achieve his ambition to sing with one of his favorite artists, and it reached number one in both the UK and in the United States. The song was Franklin's first and only UK number one hit, and only her fourth top ten achievement in the country. Uh, yeah, so there you go. Oh, the pipes on that track. Well, here, yeah, we'll we'll get to the chorus in a sec. Uh, this was actually George Michael's third consecutive number one song in the UK since going solo with Careless Whisper, A Different Corner, and then this one. And uh, let's just let's just listen to the chorus. Sure. And you know, nice. George Michael, like, maybe other people think this. I never necessarily did, but dude could fucking sing. Oh, yeah. He's hanging, more than hanging. Yeah. With uh, with one of the greatest voices of all time. Well done. Uh, there is a uh, an article from People Magazine, a very short one that was written on March 10th, 1986, entitled, Wham! Exclamation point, goes boom! Exclamation point. Uh, and again, it just says, uh, basically, uh, a year ago, George Michael scored a number one hit with Careless Whisper, which prompted Wham Watchers to whisper that a divorce was inevitable. Um, and, uh, Wham Watchers. In response, Wham's manager, Simon Napier Bell, said last August that it was not unreasonable to expect a split in about two years. He only missed by 18 months. Nice. So, so there you go. All right. Classic. Uh, let's go to Faith. Uh, all right. All right. So again, from the Wick Guy, Faith is the debut album by English singer George Michael released on October 30th, 1987 by Columbia Records and Epic Records. Uh, the album won several, several awards, including the Grammy Award for Album of the Year in 1989. Uh, to date, and this is off this website, it says 18 million copies sold worldwide. Um, the George Michael website claims 25 million. Let's just say it's a lot. Yeah. Uh, Does it really matter at that point? Uh, it spawned six top five singles. Ultimately, there are seven singles that are released uh, from the album. So uh, pretty much almost the whole album. <laughs> <It was> a, <laughs> <laughs> that nine is, tracks. 
Seven singles. That is correct. Michael spent the greater part of 1987 writing and recording the songs for the Faith album. In addition to playing a large number of instruments on the album, he wrote and produced every track on the recording except for one called Look at, Look at Your Hands, which was co-written with him and David Austin. Uh, and some of the material was more graphic than Michael's previous efforts with Wham. Of course, they talk right away about I Want Your Sex. Yep. I mean, all these solo, they go solo, they all, they all want to get sexy. <laughs> they totally do. They just, they want to show like, I'm not, you know, I want to talk about more adult topics because uh, I want to shake off my pop image. So then you can go into what, you know, poverty, um, <laughs> uh, you know, saving the world. Uh, yes. you can talk about, you know, maybe, maybe there is actually songs about, uh, substance abuse on this album and sex and sex. <laughs> Uh, so there you oh, go. Yes. Uh, I have um, an article from Rolling Stone. Uh, this is from 2011. George Michael remembers the recording of his classic LP, Faith. Uh, so it's really just a couple of quick quote, uh, quotes by him. Some about the song, right so I'll get to that later. Uh, mm-hmm. But uh, basically, one of the quotes here, I swear to God that when I'm on stage... Even though I'm on one level and I'm enjoying every moment, on another level, I'm constantly keeping up an energy and I'm terrified to let it die because I'm aware that if you only have hit a few bum notes in the atmosphere, uh, in the room will change. So there you go. I don't know. <laughs> the struggle of performing live. Yeah. Uh, I love how they have a, they have a cover of the, um, they have a picture of the cover of the album. Uh, it is George yeah. Michael. He is, uh, he basically has the same look that he had when he was um, at the end of his Wham run. So ha- yeah. shorter hair. He's starting to grow. He's got the stubble there. He's got the uh, cross earring, the crucifix yes. earring. Mm-hmm. And he is uh, topless but wearing a leather jacket and looking all sorts of sexy on the front of the album. Kind of kind of pulling the jacket over one side of his face. He's so shy. Yeah. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Uh, yeah, just a, yeah, a shy he's got guy. He's fist clenched soulful yeah now unlike some of the other wikipedia entries uh we do not have what they recorded the album on <laughs> oh well which is unfortunate I assume, well i mean look I, I discogs open and there's a lot of live instrumentation so there, there's a, there's a lot of bass and a lot of guitar and keyboards though so it doesn't say what keyboards are being used so you know if anybody knows hit us up <laughs> uh let's albums are dead at shaw.ca yes please all right you yeah. know what honestly let's just go into the tracks why not all right so let's get started here so we start off with the title track faith well we start out with an instrumental organ version of freedom by yes, Lamb. that is correct so uh, yes, this organ is playing the song Freedom by Wham, which was released on uh, Make It Big back in uh, 1984. <laughs> yep. And here we go. Some sassy guitar. Yes. Nice. Nice. <laughs> Sing along right there. Uh, it is uh, the debut single. It held the number one position on Billboard Hot 100 chart for four weeks. 
Nice. And according to Billboard magazine, it was the number one single of the year in the United States in 1988. It was released on the 12th of October, 1987. So obviously bleeds over into 1988. Mm-hmm. Uh... The song is known for uh, its music video, something that we rarely talk about. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> uh, it features... Well, like, the thing is, you know what? You can't... Like, anybody kind of of our generation would know. Like, you say the Faith video, and you know exactly what we're talking about. So it features Michael with noticeable stubble on his face, wearing a black leather jacket with Rocker's Revenge and BSA logo. Ray-Ban mm. Aviator sunglasses and a pair of Levi blue jeans with cowboy boots playing a guitar near a, near a classic designer uh, Wurlitzer jukebox. Yes. Uh, I have a clip about him uh, talking about this okay. video. Here we go. Do it. I mean, he was definitely involved collaboratively. And, um, and I'm quite happy with that. He was one of the artists I was quite comfortable with. Some, some artists that want to work collaboratively like that can be a huge pain in the ass. And he was never a pain in the ass. You know, he was always had good ideas. I was totally involved, really, in just about everything. The, the area where I became a real control freak would be the edit room because that was all about me making sure I could live with the shots of me. Yeah, I got pulled out of the edit by the manager who said, you can't have so many shots, reverse shots of him shaking his ass. <laughs> so I went back in the edit and said to George, Man, do we need and he's going, no, I think they're funny, they're camp. He knew what he was doing. He was, you know, putting it out there a little bit. So as they mentioned at the end, <laughs> so many shots of George Michael's ass in this video in jeans. Yeah. But again, the dude knew, to, knew what he was doing full well, right? Well, and you know what I find interesting about not just the video, but the song itself is just the American sound of it, right? I mean, this is clearly a, a, a way to, to, to burst through in North America with the, with the sound of this, this the, the title track, the look of the video and the style. I mean, this was 100%. I mean, for a while, you could be like, this dude doesn't seem British. You know, he's got that real American feel to it. So a real strong way to, to, to launch this album. Well done. Uh, we have uh, George Michael commenting. This is from songfacts.com. When the album was released, Michael's explained why he chose this song as the title track, saying it represents the way I feel at the moment. It kind of uh, it's kind of another word for my hope and optimism. You know, faith to me is just really such a strong word. And the more I got into the idea of the song being the single, the more I like the idea of using the title track. Um, one more interesting thing. Uh, in the video for Freedom 90, which would come out a couple of years later, mm -hmm. he blows up the jukebox from the Faith video in that... Uh, yeah, in, in he, the burns the, he burns the leather jacket. Yeah, so, you know, I guess he just wants to keep moving forward, right? <laughs> I don't know. I it was a strong visual. Uh whole bunch of other stuff, but obviously everyone knows Faith, so you know. Yeah, yeah. Again, like I said earlier, a, a Saints roller rink staple. Uh, track two. Yes. Those keyboards right there, like that's 1988 style, 1987, <laughs> 88 style, like big time. 
we'll just wait till he starts singing, then we'll talk over it. Of course, him. Then, then we'll talk over it. Alright. Yes. <laughs> Father Figure. Released on December 28th, 1987, uh, as the album's fourth single. Mm. The song reached number one on the Billboard Hot 100 and not number 11 on the UK singles chart. We liked it more in the United States yeah. than, in the, than in the UK. Additionally, it was a top five hit in Australia, Belgium, Canada, Iceland, Ireland, the Netherlands, and Spain. Nice. The music video depicts a relationship between a cab driver, George Michael, and a high fashion model, Tanya Coleridge. No, a George Michael video with a, with a model in it. I know. Crazy. Crazy <laughs> idea. Can you believe it? <laughs> uh, various intercut flashbacks tell a backstory. Uh, Michael and Andy Morahan won Best Direction of a Video at the 1988 MTV Video Music Awards for the video. A couple nice. of other things. Uh, Rolling Stone, uh, a quote by George Michael. Father Figure started off with a rhythm track with a snare, and when you play it uh, like that, it sounds a bit like Prince. But I must have been nice. listening to it without the snare and gone, oh my god, that cho totally changes the record. It suddenly becomes a gospel record. Here's the chorus. Yes. Uh, he also says, suddenly it just seemed really dreamy. He finished writing the song, a pledge to clean up his act for a loved one in that vein. It became what Michael called the most original sounding thing on the album. Uh, definitely very different as well from what you would have heard in Wham. Yeah, absolutely. I'm, I've got, uh, I'm looking at Discogs here and for, um, you know, Faith, he did just vocals, um, father figure. We got vocals and keyboards and backing vocals by George Michael, so... For father figure, a little bit more uh, involved in the in the musical side of it, uh, in terms of the playing it. Obviously, he wrote everything. Um, so yeah, another strong track. Uh, one more comment from Song Facts: Michaels wrote the song before his homosexuality was public knowledge. The lyrics are ambiguous and likely about a man. The video, which starred model Tina Coleridge as his love interest, portrayed the song as being about a heterosexual relationship. Yeah. All right. Uh, let's go to track number three, uh, a long track. Yes. <laughs> so sexy. <laughs> Where are my pants? <laughs> They're all gone. They, they melted off. Start singing so we can talk. All right. I Want Your Sex, released as a single in June of 1987, uh, specifically on the 1st of June. It is, um, it all is also released on the soundtrack to Beverly Hills Cop 2. Nice. Uh, the song actually has three separate parts. So this is the part mm. that people recognize as being the single. Yeah. Uh, and this would be Rhythm One, Lust. Yes. Uh, it was banned by the BBC. Ooh. Well, look at Look how sexy it is. Beep. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, the second version also appears by itself on the B-side of the single. A third part, Rhythm 3, A Last Request, appears as a B-side 
to the Hard Day 7-inch and Kissing a Fool 12-inch singles. Uh, and it is on the CD version of Faith as a bonus track. That's right. So on the original release, like vinyl, I'm like I'm looking at vinyl here. There's just the two parts. Yes. Uh, when you put the whole thing together, it makes one 13-minute song, and they dub it the Monogamy Mix. Ooh. Uh, yeah. Now, <laughs> I was having a discussion with somebody at work today about this song. Okay. And we were talking about how he claims the song is about monogamy. Mm-hmm. Um, but I said, you know, this song probably wouldn't pass some tests uh, these days. No, no. Um, the the line where he says, "A man has got his patience, and this is where mine ends." <laughs> yep. Probably not passing the uh, no. the smell no, test no, no. these no. days. That that would be my guess, anyways. Uh, let's yeah. see what we got from song facts. In this song, Michael makes a forthright plea to his lover, making a case for why they should have sex. Among the reasons, it's natural. He's been waiting a long time and he's out of patience. Everybody should do it. And he loves her. Amazing. Some critics accused Michael of ripping off Prince with this song, but Prince's hits at the time were not sexual in nature as radio stations stuck to his songs like Pop Life and Raspberry Beret, while songs like Erotic City and Darling Nikki were either B-sides or album cuts. Uh, I Want Your Sex did generate some controversy and was banned by the BBC. After the initial shock of hearing DJ say the title, the song was accepted and had a long chart life. Uh, yeah, well, that, that, that tells you everything. I mean, it's all the shock of the title. Yeah. What a shocking title. Uh, the video is a shirtless George Michael with some ladies. There is water pouring all over people's backs on this. It is, it, again, we, we're not fucking around. No. Uh, no, not, not at all. Just for fun, I'm going to hop over to songmeanings.com. Oh, one of our favorite sites. Uh, just because um, <laughs> the, the user comments are great. Yeah. June 14, 2002, Billnet writes, <laughs> are you ready for this? I can't wait. This is my own personal interpretation, but I think that George Michael is singing about his desire to have sexual intercourse with the person that he's singing the song to. <laughs> That's what the lyrics seem to say to me. What a detective. <laughs> it's all in the fucking title. Tyler... <laughs> Tyler 2004 Durden. <laughs> the names are the best part. Says, I lost my virginity while George Michael was playing on the CD, so this song will always have a special nostalgic and kind of ironic meaning to me. How is it ironic? Uh, ironic? That, how is it's it ironic? Fitting. <laughs> it's exactly That's the it. Point. <laughs> By the way, later on, Stoolhardy says, I don't know if it is ironic, Tyler. <laughs> I love I love that website. It's <laughs> so good. Oh, oh, you bring the goods whenever you go to song meetings. Oh. Fr- track four. This would also be the last track on side A if you have a tape yes. or LP version of this uh, album. That's right. Uh, so this is one more try. It is the fifth single released on April 11th, 1988. Mm-hmm. I've had enough of the 
The song hit number one on the Billboard Hot 100 and on the Hot R&B Hip Hop Songs chart. Well done. So good for him, right? Yeah. Let's see if I can find something here on uh, the essential George Michael tracks. Uh, yes, I do. Here we go. Uh, this is Rolling Stone uh, with 20 essential George Michael songs. Michael's rawest vocal performance on Faith comes in this ballad, which has the tentative pace of a gospel song penned by someone terrified of walking down a church's aisle. A number one song on Billboard's Hot 100 and Hot Black singles in the late spring of 1988. One more try comes from the perspective of someone burned by an elder's love, but forever enticed by the heat emanating from its flame. Okay. What do you it's think of that? The, quite the write-up. Quite the write-up. Uh, one more try. It's a good song. And uh, we see uh, the, the stylings of Don Estes on bass, so I, I'm pleased. I accidentally uh, <laughs> I accidentally got rid of my songmeanings.com page, so I'm just going to bring it up. Though I'm, oh my god, come on. Though I'm going to, I need to know. I'm going to leave uh, song meanings off of uh, this track. We will find it for something else. Okay. Anyways, not much else to say. It's a good song, I think. One thing I like about Faith and I'm, I you know, before I forget that cuz I'll probably forget if we if we leave it, but you know, he's got some he's got some uh, some meaty links of these songs. Like they are they are you know, button up in the in the four and a half to five and a half minute mark. It's it's uh, it's pretty it's pretty refreshing on on a pop album. It's good. All right, let's flip the album over, shall we? Yeah, flip it over. I played a remix. You're playing it off your turntable. Yes, I am. Uh, I played this a remix of this, obviously, in the intro. Yes. Well, here's why this track's four minutes and 47 seconds long. There we go. There we go. So we're getting haired here. And you can hear that kind of that kind of sound, you know, from I Want Your Sex, that kind of drum beat and that little uh, keyboard riff there. Uh, so this is the third single released off of Faith on uh, October 30th, 1987, Hard Day. Ah. Song was written, written and produced by Michael and released solely in the United States and Australia. There was no music video for this song. Okay. It reached top five in the U.S. Hot Dance Club songs and the top mm-hmm. 40 in the hip hop R&B uh, chart as well. Uh, not a heck of a lot else to say, at least from the Wikipedia. Well, George Michael uh, performed every instrument and the vocals, so this is a fully a full George Michael song. Written and produced and uh, performed by. Stop stealing my thunder. This is. Well, did I have discogs open? This is my week. <laughs> <laughs> All right. There's not much also on song facts, so that means, of course, let's see what they say on song meanings. Okay. Uh, song meanings does not have a uh, entry for hard day, so I guess that's the end of our discussion okay. of this track. All right. Here we go. Come on. You know, lots of chasing tail on this album. Oh, yes. All right. It's a, it's a theme. It's called Faith. <laughs> Here. But it's about being horny. <laughs> Hand to mouth. 
All right. So I have a little bit here from uh, song meanings. Okay. Hand to mouth. Uh, this is track six, of course. It was not a single. It just uh, kind of a. I mean, to me, it's 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 okay, but it's it's a filler track to me. Middle of the album transition song. Okay, so one guy, Sweetie Five Five Five, writes like three paragraphs. Oh my god. Uh, so I'm not gonna ah. say that. Um, I, there's there's actually quite the discussion uh, here. Uh, okay. People trying to break down specifically the fifth verse. Okay. Uh, but uh, let's let's go to the beginning. So um, Asadik writes, Personally, I think this is one of George Michael's most amazing songs. The lyrics are quite profound and very deep. I'm surprised no one has commented on it. Does anyone understand what the meaning of the verse beginning? There's a big wi- uh, wild lady. Does anyone understand what that's all about? And why does she run to the arms of America? Okay. He then says one more comment. I was wondering if anyone finds this song to be anti-American. And, oh God! And then a bunch of people kind of say like, "No, I don't think so." <laughs> so there you go. Anyways, uh, let's go to the next track. Yes. That there's some sax. Nice ass sax. Uh, so this is Look at Your Hands. Yeah. Uh, again, not released as a single. So one of the few tracks that... Uh, That's right, yeah. ...that were not released as a single. The Wikipedia entry for this one takes you to back to the top of the Faith album. <laughs> nice. So let's just give this a bit of a listen. Again, this was co-written with David Austin. Here we go. get some of the, the professional not professional but you get some of the, the seasoned studio uh, musicians into some of these songs you hear the difference uh, that ones where all the where all the instrumentation was was done by George Michael um, listen he's a tremendous uh, vocalist and performer uh, his strong suit isn't quite playing instruments this to me sounds the most like a wham song of anything on this album too I like this song. It's good. <laughs> nice. All right. Yeah. Uh, this might be my favorite track on the album. Yes. All right. Monkey. Nice. Sixth single, released on July 3rd, 1988. Mm-hmm. Uh, this song reached number one in the U.S. Uh, it was the fourth yes. single to reach number one from the Faith album, which put George Michael, uh, or had him join Michael Jackson and Whitney Houston as three artists who all had four or more consecutive number one singles during the 87-88 era from one album. Nice. Uh, it also reached... Uh, uh, oh, here we go. We talked about these guys before. When the re- when the song was released as a single, the single version was remixed by Jimmy Jam and Terry Lewis. Nice. We talked about them a lot when we talked Janet Jackson. Here we did. Uh, let's Members go. of the time. Exactly. Uh, let's go to uh, song facts. 
Michaels okay. enlisted Jimmy Jam and Terry Lewis to work on this track after he heard the remix they did for the Janet Jackson song Nasty. Yes. Jam explained in the Billboard book of number one hits that Michael loved their Nasty remix because he's into chords. That would be okay. C-H-O-R-D-S, not corduroy yes, pants. Yes. <laughs> but whenever you put few, uh, put chords into something, it takes the funk out of it. Yeah. So there you go. Uh, Michael told the pair that he envisioned a monkey more melodic with chords, uh, but he was on a deadline when recording it, so he didn't have time to do it. Uh, a monkey uh, can be often used as a metaphor for drug addiction to have a monkey on one's back. Uh, okay. So this song seems to be about dating a drug addict. And Michael's official website destructs the song as a drug abuse saga. There you go. There you go. I love this song. That's good track. Uh, and it's called Monkey. Monkey. All right. So the last track on the LP version. Mm-hmm. Now we're just, we're in a lounge. Oh, yeah, Absolutely. Again, you get you get all the session musicians in, and they just start playing. Here we go. Just having a couple of cocktails. Mm-hmm. Uh, this is the last single released, number seven, "Kissing a Fool," released on November twenty first, nineteen eighty eight. A ballad with minimal instrumentation and a jazz feel. The song was written about Michael's insecurities as a soulmate and partner because of the baggage and reputation with which he came. According to Michael, the vocals were recorded in acapella in one take. Kissing a Fool was the working title for the album, which was later renamed Faith. That was a good decision. Yeah, I agree. But, I mean, the the, the, the breathy vocals, though. Doesn't get much better than that. Nope. Now, uh, if you got... Uh, a CD or a digital mm-hmm. version of this. Uh, there was um, also this on it. <laughs> nice. So this is part three of "I Want Your Sex," also known as a last request. It's like in the first two parts, I gave requests and I didn't get what I wanted. So here's my last request. <laughs> Uh, there is also the Shep Pettibone remix of Hard Day, which you can get on some versions of the album. Okay. Uh, so those are the tracks on Faith. Mm-hmm. Do I have any more clips? Uh, before we get to the tour, let's talk about some reviews. Okay, yes. <laughs> uh, I've actually, this is, I've got quite a few here. Okay, great. Uh, Rolling Stone... Uh, in 1988, January 14th, 1988, gave this album four stars out of five. Okay. Uh, and uh, just a couple of things. This is by Mark Coleman. He says, Unsurprisingly, Faith is the move toward adulthood signaled by the conscientiously horny I Want Your Sex. Sure, <laughs> songs about drug abuse, abused wives, Thatcherism, and the choice between monogamy and freelance lust are nothing new. But how many other current singer-songwriters can evoke a personal stake in their subject matter? One of Michael's secret weapons is his knowledge uh, that the power and eloquence of soul music come from simply singing what you feel. And as Faith proves, he's got the equipment to render some relatively complex feelings. All right. Pitchfork. (laughs) Ah, yes. uh, They actually just put a... um, 
you know, uh, one of these, you know, these reviews that they do way after the fact. And it was just put out on August 5th, uh, 2018. Okay. So a few weeks ago, uh, they rated it, uh, 8.7 out of 10. All right. Uh, I'm seeing if there's any, anything that's, uh, critical about it. Um, but really their article here is more of just a story about the album. So I will leave it at that. That's uh, probably, probably some bullshit. <laughs> <laughs> our pal, funny. our pal Robert Criscow. Yes. Uh, he gave this album a B plus. Okay. And he says, Yes. As everybody but Avant Bigots knew from hearing Wham! on the radio, Michael can prove that photogenic and pop-wise aren't mutually exclusive while combing his hair with his left hand. <laughs> substance, yes. substance, depth, simple human decency. That kind of stuff is more problematic. So the show of soul in the grain of the lyrics as well as the voice makes a difference. But let no one forget that the vulnerability and compassion here pervade our stable commodities of the truly pop wise and that the album's only conceptual coup i want your sex stands as an ambiguous publicity stunt worthy of madonna herself amazing right that dude brings the goods no matter what he says yes all right um i also want to give you a couple of amazon.com customer reviews oh my god again Um, you just keep bringing the goods my favorite place for reviews i believe on the show those and song meetings have changed my life yes so of course i'm going to skip the five star reviews let's just go to the one star reviews okay let's hear it uh here's a one star review (laughs) one star review entitled his best album ever (laughs) <laughs> okay. A CD full of totally in- unenjoyable songs. By this time, his ego had exceeded his talent. <laughs> All right. Uh, Brad, on August 10, 2001, said, One star, horrible pop drivel. Okay. This album was a low point in what was a great overall musical era, the late 1980s. Mm. Oh my god. <laughs> this is great. Come on. Every hit from this album was hideously overplayed from the absolutely annoying title track to the in in quotes over the top open parenthesis yeah right close parenthesis I want your sex. <laughs> How about the three versions of it in this album? Now there is a real treat and then he puts in parentheses flippant remark in case you didn't know. Oh my god, people are idiots. Monkey was one of the highlights in this album, and yet I hated this one as well. Okay. So there you go. Um, the well-balanced people. Uh, yes, exactly. Uh, one more review here. Uh, <laughs> One-star review by Sherry Bietnik in June fifteenth, two 2015. She says, Kind of disappointed in this CD. Not very many good songs. <laughs> Ah, yes. <laughs> so there you go. Was this review helpful? Yes. Uh, uh, some people probably 100%. said it was, right? Yeah. yeah. Uh, so there you go. Uh, the last thing that we will talk about, the Faith World Tour. Uh, yeah. And I'm going to play one last clip of George Michael talking about Excellent. this tour. Here we go. Nope. There we go. It's just one stop on the global map, but in the past year, four major world tours have all started out in Japan. First there was Duran Duran, then Madonna, Michael Jackson, and as you can tell from the excitement at Tokyo's airport, this week it was George Michael's turn. 
But a happy accident it was. Even as George was arriving in Japan across town of the Budokan Theater, the faithful were snapping up merchandise. The luckiest fans had to be MTV Japan's contest winners, who told us where they were headed. Before the concert, they were backstage. They met their man, had their picture taken, and then it was showtime. George's first concert ever as a solo artist. So... Nothing makes yeah. me happier than than happy Japanese teenagers singing songs from it's so good from uh, Faith. That's it's great. Fantastic. So uh, and uh, so he starts at Budokan Hall. So it was probably a seven star uh, concert. Concert, uh, well, yeah, for sure. Uh, so from the Wiki, the Faith tour was the first solo concert tour for George Michael. Uh, the tour spanned nine months between February and October 1988, with three final shows in the summer of 1989. For a total of 109 shows across 16 countries, it was, chore- it was choreographed by Paul Abdul. Nice. Uh, so it started in Tokyo's Budokan Indoor Arena in February and ended at the Pensacola Civic Center in Pensacola, Florida. Most of the set list was based off of the Faith track listing with a couple of songs from Wham, including Everything She Wants and I'm Your Man. Michael also played tribute, uh, paid tribute to artists that he had been influenced by, such as Lady Marmalade by LaBelle, Wild Cherries play that funky music, and Stevie Wonder's Love's in Need of Love Today. Uh, when Michael performed at Birmingham's Genting Arena, Andrew Ridgely joined him briefly on stage for a performance of I'm Your Man. Uh, so, Ooh. Uh, uh, yeah, so a long... A little mini reunion. Yeah, so there were uh, numerous legs uh, to this tour, uh, I, of course, will skip to the U.S. portion. Uh, mm-hmm. He is starting off playing shows in arenas, all sold out. Yeah. Uh, yeah. He plays uh, three Canadian shows early on, all big ones, at Olympic Stadium in Montreal, at the Exhibition in Ottawa, and at CNE Stadium in Toronto uh, nice. to 45,000 fans. And at setlist.com, uh, I have the setlist from this show <laughs> It's fantastic. 17 songs in total. All wow. of those covers that we talked about. Uh, no uh, no encore. He just comes on and uh, blasts through everything. And I mean, honestly, I look at this set list and it's like, aside from Freedom 90, this is the time to see the dude. And I guess too funky, right? Well, you know, I, you, you'd, you'd want to see that. It's a classic. Uh, he played a show at Texas Stadium, too. So good on him. And Sweet at the Superdome. Jesus. Nice. So, I mean, you know, he is a big, big deal. How about uh, the Silverdome? Uh, did he play the Silverdome? <laughs> Hoags would get those mixed up, of course. <laughs> uh, no, he played at the Palace of Auburn Hills. Okay. Uh, he did have, um, for uh, a good portion of this tour, uh, he was dealing with uh, medical issues, like uh, basically his throat. Uh, Michael said <clears throat> consulted eight doctors in a variety of countries for throat pain, which was ca- uh, which caused some cancellations eventually in london he was diagnosed with a cyst in his throat and so he had to take a pause Ah. so there is a quite a list of shows from march through to july um dates in australia germany um other places in europe that had to be canceled and rescheduled so just from belting it out right that's just the toll that uh it takes right being a a pop superstar Mm -hmm. Uh, overall the estimates are that this tour raked in 
in U.S. dollars, 15 million, which today would be almost 30 million uh, dollars. Sweet. And uh, that awesome. is and that is a faith tour. And of course, uh, George Michael would go on from there and become a major, major superstar. Um, basically all the way through to his death, of course, not putting a lot of, um, material that, that you would hear a lot about, um, out after kind of 2000, but you know, if that dude was going to do another tour, it, it would sell out big time. Oh my God. Yes. Uh, 100%. Uh, so what are we going to end with here? Let's end with, you know what? Let's, let's end with the, the, the ballad. <laughs> Sounds good. Uh, so that is faith, everybody. Yeah, a good breakdown. I liked it. Uh, I I listened to the album in its entirety this week, just to uh, to to get a feel. And uh, you know what? It was it was a pleasing listen overall. I like it too. Um, I think as personally for me, the flow of the album is a little bit off. Yep. You, you kind of go back and forth between pop stuff and then kind of these soulful ballads. Yep. Yep. Uh, and then that lounge song at the end. Yeah. So. Going from like start to finish, it's uh, as a full album, it doesn't do as much for me. But if you take kind of the, uh, you know, take it as the sum of the parts, it's it's fantastic. Yeah, yeah I said it before. Uh, I find that some of the uh, songs where George Michael did a lot of the instrumentation tend to be a little bit on the weak side. That's to be expected. Um, sessions with musicians will always uh, pull out the best uh, in, in, in the song. But um, I enjoyed it overall. Uh, a definite recommendation for any uh, pop music aficionado who wants to uh, really get a feel for that time period. It really, really is a good, uh, has that nice 1987-88 feel and is uh, is, a, is a classic. So uh, head to albumsordead.com to listen to old song or old songs, old uh, shows. Uh, yeah, you go there to listen to songs right before the singer sings, and then and then we talk over it. Exactly. Uh, we will be back with you next week. Uh, should we say what we're doing, or what do you? Yeah, want? it's uh, it's episode nine. Yep. Next week, so it makes sense that we would cover Pearl Jam's ten. <laughs> we're gonna be take. I'm gonna take you through one of my favorite albums of all time. Uh, it's gonna be it's gonna be a hoot nanny. I'm really looking forward to it. A lot of it I can rattle off the top of my head, so I'm very excited to to do a to do a little bit of a deeper breakdown. It's gonna be fun. We we say if you're not a fan of the band, uh, you may not get a lot out of this. But in this case, because we're just you know pulling together facts that we can kind of comb you know get through yep. by combing the internet. In this case, you are a legitimate Pearl Jam fanatic. So yes, you. Yeah, uh, I think I think it may if you're if you're you know if you're if you're a big fan like yeah you, you probably know it all but. Uh, if you're a, if you're a just a, a a fan of the music, you might you might get a little more out of it this one. But uh, well, I, I well I guess now I've now I promised it, so I better I better bring the I better crack out my European version of ten, so that we can uh, to do a, do a real deep breakdown. All right. So until next week, I am your pal at Slip with Five Eyes or Slip. I'm at NegaMix.com. We'll uh, we'll see you in a week, folks. Good night. Good night. Good night.